As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. And I think what I learned from those failures and sort of the demoralization of I've experienced in that room full of investors was a lot of times when you start thinking about this is going to fail, it's really yourself telling you that. And Best ever listeners, I want to mention Lima One Capital, and I found out about them through a guest that I was interviewing on the show, and he mentioned how he was scaling his business. He was actually buying 10 single-family homes within one year. And I asked him, how were you able to buy 10 single-family homes and how were you financing that? He's like, oh, well, I just use an asset-based lender. I was like, who is that? And he told me it's a Lima One Capital. I reached out to them afterwards, got to know them, and they are the sponsor of today's episode because they've got some unique lending programs. Uh, One of them is called Rental 30, where, as I mentioned, they're an asset-based lender. So they're lending based on the property's appraised value as well as they look at the down payment that you're bringing to the table and the cash reserves. Uh, They'll lend up to 75% loan to value. And this is huge. This is huge because typically as a single family investor, uh, your lending strength is based on your personal income as well as how many properties you have, how many loans you have out. There's no restrictions on portfolio size with their Rental 30 program. Go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Sign up, learn more about the program. That's lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. They also have a program for fix and flippers. Even if you haven't done a fix and flip, they'll still lend to you. They've been in the business uh, since 2010. So they've been around the block. They know their underwriting guidelines. They're not loosey-goosey, but they do have a very specific uh, criteria um, that helps beginning fix and flippers get their fix and flip projects done, as well as experienced fix and flippers. They reward you as an experienced fix and flipper, and you actually get a lower interest rate and lower origination fee. Again, go to lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. And some legal stuff I have to say, it is Lima One Capital LLC. And the NMLS ID number is 1324403. And their address is 201 East McBee Avenue, Suite 300, Greenville, South Carolina, 29601. Again, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. If you're looking for 
a fix and flip loan, or if you're looking for a buy and hold investment property and you're trying to finance it and you want it to be asset-based, lima1capital.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, hello, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffiest stuff. We don't get into it. And especially not on the weekend. Today's Sunday. And so your time is incredibly valuable. So we're going to be incredibly succinct. And today, because it's Sunday, we're going to do a special segment called Skill Set Sunday, where we talk about a a specific skill that if you hone, you will continue to uh, advance in your real estate ventures. With us today, we've got a returning best ever guest. How you doing, Nav Athwal? Hey, Joe. Great to be back. Nice to have you back on the show, and uh, you can listen to Nav's best ever advice in episode 121, and I suggest you do, because it's it's a really good topic. He talks about crowdfunding, and we're going to touch on it, I, I imagine, in today's conversation with Skillset Sunday, as well as some other things, and a little bit about Nav, and then uh, we'll get into it. He's the co-founder and CEO of Realty Shares, an online marketplace for accredited investors who to securely invest as little as 5K into private real estate investment properties. And as far as their track record, they've done over 300 investments and have raised more than $160 million through the platform. He's also a guest lecturer at UC Berkeley Law. He's an electrical engineer turned attorney turned real estate entrepreneur. He's in San Francisco, California, and you can say hi to him at their company website, which you can click through in the show notes page. And today, Skillset Sunday, we're going to be talking about perseverance and how to hone that skill. I asked Nav before we started recording, what's the one trait that really sets you apart? And I, I, I'd, I'd love for you to talk about that. And that was the one word that came to mind. So with that being said, Nav, how about you give us just a little bit about your background and then, then talk to us about perseverance? Great. Uh, would love to, Joe. Uh, so, you know, my name is Nav Athwal, as Joe mentioned, founder and CEO of Realty Shares. As Joe mentioned, Realty Shares is an online marketplace for real estate investing. Prior to founding the company, I spent about a decade in real estate, um, started my career in real estate brokerage, um, and then uh, started investing in real estate. Uh, about six, seven years ago, and then you know went to law school uh, and started practicing real estate law at a firm of about 200 attorneys here in San Francisco. Uh, so you know have been very involved in the real estate market, uh, and then you know predating my time as a broker, I, I was an, uh, actually an electrical engineer. So a pretty big change and shift into the real estate market, and I think that those experiences are really what gave me the idea behind Realty Shares. You know, having that intersection of technology, engineering, and real estate, and realizing how inefficient the uh, capital markets and investment landscape was for real estate is why we created Realty Shares as a way to connect investors to real estate companies and allow them to transact in a much more meaningful and efficient way. So that's where, where I've been in my background. Um, in terms of you know the skill set I, I want to talk about today, you know again, when I was talking to Joe about this skill set, you know, one thing I said is it's a little cliche, but it, it can be understated, perseverance. The way I approach any challenge, and wh- whether it be you know, my time as a real estate broker running a, a small brokerage shop with about five brokers to, um, you know, going to law school and graduating first in my class at UC Berkeley to now running a, a startup that started in my living room and is now about 50 people in San Francisco Bay Area. Um, you know, I, I, I what, what, like the, the uh, story I always like to tell is 
in none of those scenarios was I ever the smartest person in the room. You know, I, at law school, there were a lot smarter people than me out there. There's a lot smarter brokers than me out there. There's just a lot smarter CEOs and founders uh, out there than me. But I think one thing that's contributed to my success is sort of my ability to not get overwhelmed or quit when things get tough. And I think to really be successful in anything you do in life, uh, whether it be, you know, you're an athlete or you're a CEO or you're a singer, you're a dancer, you're an actor, whatever it may be, perseverance and the ability to sort of take rejection yet still continue to hone and get better and and continue to kind of progress is one thing that I think has really helped me in, in everything I've done. So I, you know, I'll tell a few stories on how I think that's helped translate into success for me. Um, and, and, you know, especially when things got really tough, let's start, um, with, with realty shares. Cause I think that's the most recent example. So, you know, starting this company, I, I remember when we first uh, kicked this company off and, uh, this was my first ever pitch in front of a group full of investors. This is my first company. So I, I've never, uh, started a, a technology company before. So I felt really good about what we were creating and what we were doing. And I go to this pitch event and, uh, there's about 10 companies pitching at this event and uh, we feel, you know, like we're we're going to do a great job. And it's me and my co-founder at the time. I sense we, some doom happening about that. Yeah, yeah there's, uh, <laughs> the skies are gray. Very perceptive, Joe. <laughs> so we get in front of a, a room full of seven investors who sort of are, are self-proclaimed serial investors in, in Silicon Valley. And I still remember it because my wife was there with me. Because at the time, you know, she, she was pitching and helping with the company. It was just two of us. So we, we get in front of this room. We pitched the idea, you know, it was nerve wracking just to be in front of a group full of seven investors and then an audience of 50 people. And then before we could even finish the pitch, uh, you know, the first investor chimed in and basically said, you know, this is probably one of the worst pitches I've ever uh, heard. <laughs> uh, this is a horrible idea. You're going to get sued for fraud. You should just stop and, and keep your day job as an attorney. And I just remember feeling so deflated, like so demoralized and, uh, you know, going after the event. Uh, and it was me, my co-founder and my wife and just talking about whether we should be doing this at all. And it seems like there's so many people that think we're going to fail. And, and these people are self-proclaimed, you know, serial investors. If they say it's true, then it must be true. And then, you know, waking up the next morning and really saying, well, look, there's a reason why you went into this. There's a, you know, talking to myself at this point, uh, there's a reason why you went into this. You know, you, you, you realize the inefficiencies you're trying to try and do um, remedy firsthand. You really believe in what you're doing. A room full of investors that don't have those same experiences really be able to tell you that this is not a good idea. So really that you're, a lot of success is about managing your own psychology and your own sort of mind. And I think my, what I learned from those failures and sort of the, the, the demoralization of uh, I've experienced in that room full of investors was, you know, a lot of times when you start thinking about, you know, this is going to fail, this is not a good idea. It's really yourself telling you that. And yes, there's external influences like those room full of uh, investors that influence how you're feeling and your mindset at any given time, but your ability to manage that mindset and still be able to persevere and continue down the path that you firmly believed was the right path, I think is one skill I've been able to develop, not from not only from the early experiences, but anytime you know you're trying to run a company or start a business, there's so many challenges. From you know, do you have enough money to continue to keep the lights on and pay your employees? To can you acquire customers? Can you sell the customer something they really want? There's so many different challenges and so many different potential missteps and potential failures. But your ability to kind of continue down the path that you believe is the right path and accept those challenges, but really 
learn how to deal with them, I think is really what defines the way I approach running this company and the challenges we've faced as a company. You know, another challenge. Another well, wait, 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 wait. Before you get into that, I want to ask a couple questions on that pitch. Before you finished, they said, you're going to get sued. This is the worst pitch I've ever seen. And you should, <laughs> you should keep your day job. What was your response? What were you feeling? <laughs> um, my my response was I was I'm sure I was stuttering a little bit <laughs> because at that point I felt you know you know the feel you know, my my heart was sinking I felt this weird pain in my stomach <laughs> it was it was the worst feeling ever because it was not only the seven investors your wife was there investors. too my wife was there great I mean she she still is with me today so that didn't impact our marriage and there was a room full of fifty people that you know probably just felt sympathy for us at that uh, time and really felt sorry for us. So the feeling was just it was it was the worst feeling ever, right? Because this was a, it was it was a big rejection uh, after we felt we were going to do really well because we thought we were solving a real problem. So you know it, it was not a great feeling. And my response was, you know, even in bad situations, I think one thing. Uh, I always value his feedback and being able to take a bad situa situation and drive the good from it. Obviously, in that moment, I didn't feel like there was any good in that. But I did approach one of the investors that was on the panel after uh, our pitch was over and after the event was over and said, hey, you were very vocal in, in thinking this was a really bad idea. Can you like let me know exactly you know, why? And, you know, in that moment, I sort of realized this investor really had no real basis for thinking it was a bad idea other than his preconceived uh, uh, kind of uh, thoughts around how, you know, internet, uh, how financing should work for real estate. Mm -hmm. So that really actually, despite him sort of continuing to berate me into why it was a bad idea, it did give me a little bit of insights into, look, I know these cha the challenges our customers, our future customers are facing much more than this guy. He just doesn't even get it. So, you know, that, that, that was a really bad moment. And trust me, if that was the only pitch where I was laughed out of the room or told this was the worst idea ever, whether it was res with respect to realty shares or other business endeavors, I would say that's a success, but it wasn't. It was, it was actually one of many. Um, but you know, with each moment, whether it's a good moment or bad moment for you and what you're trying to achieve, there's always a learning. And I think that's sort of how I approached even that scenario of being sort of laughed out of the room and told this is the worst idea ever. All right. And uh, I, I have a couple comments, but I want to save them until after you tell your next story because they it might kind of come together in a common denominator amongst both. So can you go into the second one? Yeah. So the second one's a little less demoralizing, but I think um, it's related to realty shares and it's, uh, it's important because, you know, one of the things that we've seen over the last six months is a, a big change in how funding has worked for startups and, and technology companies. You know, the uh, you know year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, it was crazy. I mean, startups were getting funded with really no revenue and um, in you know insane valuations, mostly by later stage investors that really aren't in the actual business of investing in technology. But given how uh, heated things were getting, got involved. You know, things like, uh, firms like Fidelity and BlackRock, et cetera. And then we saw this massive correction uh, about. Um, you know, six months ago, and, and we just completed a Series B financing round where we raised $20 million, uh, through a prominent VC in New York. Um, and, you know, when we started raising money for the round, uh, this was in October, uh, beginning of October of 2015, uh, I definitely started seeing, like, the music had stopped <laughs> and things were getting really tough. Um, and so, you know, we heard a lot of uh, no's from a lot of prominent VCs that were sort of identifying issues 
either with the business or just not wanting to get involved in, in investing in startups at the moment. And you know, despite that, six months later, we were able to raise a, uh, the Series B. And I think the lesson I learned during that process that lasted you know, for three to four months was really not only perseverance, which obviously, you know, when you're right, tr- trying to raise money for anything, uh, it's hard and it requires a lot of perseverance. You're going to hear a lot of no's and you just need one yes. You have to remember that, especially in the startup world. That could create some sort of a snowball effect. But the other thing I learned is uh, being adaptable. And so this is really uh, relating, uh, uh, relatable to the perseverance is someone that hears no a hundred times yet still still continues down the same path with really a, a little adaptation to what they're doing. I think that's less perseverance, that's more stupidity. Um, so I think uh, one thing I learned in, in, in raising trying to raise money is there's a lot of adaptation that goes along with perseverance. So it's not just continuing down a blind path without really heeding to any of the advice you're hearing. Um, it's more not letting one no really uh, derail you from your path, but still being able to adapt and, and get better based on the feedback you're getting, even if that feedback at first blush seems like it's telling you the company or the idea just doesn't work and you should stop doing it. So I think here's some examples of, of what I was able to do to adapt and successfully still close the Series B funding round in an environment that drastically changed for the worse over the uh, six or 12 month preceding period. So one thing is when we first went out for the round, you know, I was trying to raise 30 million for the company and that was sort of becoming the norm for a Series B financing round. Um, and, you know, the first few conversations that I had were, some of the uh, questions that were being asked by VCs were around, okay, what are you in economics? What's your road to profitability? What's your top line growth? Those are all normal questions. But a lot of the questions were around, why are you raising 30 million? I mean, it seems like, you know, you've been pretty cash efficient. You know, why not raise less? And um, a lot of startup uh, founders, I think, over uh, because of what happened over the last two years, have a set value they want in their mind. Like, I want to raise 30 million. I want to raise it at this valuation. And I'm not going to hear anything else. But in that changing environment, I was able to say, okay, 30 million, they're right. Maybe that's not the right amount. Was able to revise down our uh, funding to 20 million and was able to actually successfully raise capital from a VC that initially said, you're trying to raise too much. I just am not interested. So I think adapting and really seeing, you know, why, why are people saying no and being able to adapt and, and, and change um, and really be successful because of that adaptation was really important in, the, in those moments when I was trying to raise this capital. So I think that story is both one of perseverance and ability to sort of take a lot of rejection yet still continue forward and, and believe in what you're trying to raise capital for, which was, you know, in my case, the company Realty Shares, but also being able to adapt given the early feedback are very key traits and skills that I've been able to accomplish, not only with respect to fundraising for the company, but also in all the day-to-day things I do at the company and that's a skill set I think a lot of people need to have if they're going to be building something from the ground up and trying to raise capital from outside investors that you know may at first blush not be interested, but may want to see something different that is not part of the pitch uh, today. So, I love it. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the adaptability because it, it reminds me of a story with one of my clients. Actually, I was on the, on the call with him yesterday. And he has been reaching out to potential investors for multifamily deals, talking to them about his business model. And he hasn't received as good of a response as what he anticipated. And I asked him to forward me some of the messages. And what I realized is that it's just punctuation and uh, grammar was not where it needs to be when you're raising money, as well as putting investors on a pedestal versus on equal ground as you are 
And I, I, so I gave him two things. One is read the book Pitch Anything by Oren Claff, amazing book. And then two is to get better at grammar, spelling, and punctuation and you know, take a couple quizzes and read AP-style book. And it, it's, it's little things like that where it's just – I love that you said you know, instead of going down one path with blinders on and be like, well, I'm going to persevere until I make it happen. So, well, 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 stop a second and listen and get the feedback. One question I have for you is – one interesting thing that happened to me on this deal that I'm closing on this week is, and, and by the way, all, all the money's been raised, so I, I've, we're, I successfully completed the money raise. But during the process, I had a couple investors who said they were interested, and then I shared with them the information. They attended a conference call. I spoke to them directly, and then they just never got back to me. And then and eventually, I after you know following up a couple times, they said that it wasn't for them, and I couldn't get exactly why they didn't invest. So the question for you is, what do you do when you don't get that feedback from your VC potential you know venture capital partners or whomever? Do you have a way of figuring out from a self-analysis standpoint or, or what's your approach? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think given how, you know, I've, I've now raised uh, three rounds of funding for the company, I've sort of established sort of a baseline of who is interested and who is not. So I can walk out of an initial meeting and I'll know, even if they said, oh, this is great, I like it, I, I sort of know whether they're interested or not or if they're just paying some lip service to me. You get better at it over time and a better ability to determine who is and who isn't interested. Uh, but a lot of times you don't get, I mean, it's a great point, Joe. I mean, a lot of times you don't actually get real great feedback. I've made it a habit to sort of go back whenever I uh, hear a no, whether it's, you know, with a customer or with uh, fundraising or anything. Like I always try to go back and say, look, you know, I think there's always ways for me to improve my pitch, my story, anything, you know, I discussed with you and the feedback you can offer me could really help. And I really would, uh, I respect you and your opinion. So I would love to get that feedback. So, you know, stroke the ego a little bit, but really go back to them and say, you know, can you just offer me some of the reasons you didn't invest? Because a lot of people like, they, you know, VCs or anyone out there, investors, they may not be interested, but they may not also want to like, you know, say, I'm not interested because blah, blah, blah. And, and really, you know, offer that advice because either they think it'll be taken the wrong way or be offensive but if you ask them and say, look, the feedback to me is really important. I want you to be as candid as possible. That actually really helps them feel comfortable sharing candid feedback they otherwise may not like, feel comfortable sharing because they may, may feel like it's, it's, it's offensive or they just feel bad giving that feedback. So, I mean, that's one thing that really has helped me in situations where I haven't gotten really good feedback, but I've gotten a no or I've gotten no response at all, which typically means a no, is really going back and asking for that direct feedback um, in a way that feels makes them feel comfortable in sharing it. Nav, is there anything else you want to mention as it relates to perseverance and adaptability to the best ever listeners? No, I, I mean, what, one thing I'll say is, you know, one, one, uh, a long time ago, I was talking to someone who I respect very much, and he told me, with anything you're trying to do in life, and, and, and especially when you're trying to start a company, a lot of the, the path to success is just not, not uh, quitting and, and not... Um, letting things deter you. And so I really took that to heart. And that's really been uh, part of how I've looked at, uh, you know, challenges in life, uh, whether it be personal or professional. So, you know, I would say if you're out there, if you believe in something, as long as you can adapt and be adaptable, uh, don't let a few no's derail you from your path because you, you started down that path for a reason. So just, you know, continue sort of 
believing in yourself and and why you started uh, down the path in the first place. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I'll that's the advice I'll leave the listeners with. I love it. Thank you so much. And you know, as, as you're talking, I was taking notes, and the thing that stands out to me is as you're whether you're you're you have a deal or you're looking for investors or looking to find a deal and you're not find, able to find motivated sellers, whatever it is. If things aren't working, then first go on a fact-finding mission. Identify why it's not working because guess what? It's worked for other people in the past. Exactly. So identify what's not working about your approach through feedback. And one way is, you know, just as you said, kind of stroking the eagle. Uh, eagle. <laughs> they <laughs> invest. I bet some some investors do have eagles, but they all they all have egos, as we all do. Um, stroking the ego of the investors and, and saying, hey, uh, your feedback is important because it is, it's, it's actually very, a very genuine approach as well because their feedback is important because that feedback is going to help you be more successful. So your feedback is important and then uh, being adaptable to implement that feedback along the way and the foundation of all of it, as you said earlier, we didn't talk about it a lot because I think it's discussed a lot, but it's so important is knowing your why, managing your own psychology. But once we have that psychology managed, we've really got to go on that fact-finding mission and adapt and then continue to move forward and persevere. So thank you so much for being on the show again, sharing these skills and how to hone them. I hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. If you're looking for a real estate brokerage that provides full service commercial and residential property management, as well as traditional brokerage services, then contact James Wise and his company, the Holton Wise Property Group. Their website is holtonwise.com. That's H-O-L-T-O-N-W-I-S-E.com. They're based out of Cleveland and they help local and out-of-state investors build and manage completely passive rental property portfolios.